Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have uh, somebody who is on cloud nine right now, Logan Stump. God, I love Superstore. It's so good. <laughs> it's also just a reference to City dominating the league right now. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, of course. Soccer, of course. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Wrong time. <laughs> and I have with me today... Uh, I, I don't even know what to put in front of you today, Matt, uh, with uh, the runner-up of the Manchester-Liverpool battle uh, is Matt Hartgrove. Yeah, it's, just, it's a great time watching watching soccer. I love it. <laughs> I wonder when Logan's going to become a fan of like the Dodgers now. I just wonder. After that Trevor Bauer news, actually, he he sent me a text saying he was getting a hat, uh, a new Dodgers hat. Yeah. Hey, well, easy, okay. I don't usually jump bandwagons. Yeah, only when you picked yeah. uh, your English Premier League team. The hell with I, I'm tired of. I was tired of losing. Okay, that's it's so thank long. You for thank you for not letting me become an Arsenal fan it was a legitimate text. <laughs> <laughs> it it was God. If anything, I would have tried to keep you from being a city fan because they're legitimately like. Yeah, that was one that was <laughs> like you don't want to be yeah. a city fan, right? And Is I was like kind of like choose whoever you want, right. but uh, well, it depends. Like if you want to pick the the big money spenders, like a, a Dodgers or Lakers, or I guess football. There's a football doesn't have any. Football doesn't really have one, do yeah, they? It's tough to do that. I'd like to roast our fellow Dodgers <laughs> fans out there. If you're if you're a baseball Dodger fan here, uh, even with all that money spent, at least Manchester City wins titles. <laughs> Dodgers have one title in that's thirty true. years. Trevor <laughs> Bauer's not even all that good. <laughs> no, yeah, that's not going to be nice, a good pickup. Overrated. But we're not yeah. a baseball podcast, so we're gonna. Well, I we should... we... I <laughs> Were we? Are we? <laughs> what do you guys think about the Phillies? What do I think about the Phillies? I don't know much about them. I'm going to say that they're probably not either. going to be good this year. <laughs> they're like I'm the arsenal that. of baseball. <laughs> I tell you, the Orioles are not going to be anything to write home about. So. The Sheffield United of baseball. Uh, yeah, but like, thank God there's no relegation in the Major League Baseball around the <laughs> been relegated in the 90s at some point. Uh, <laughs> would have been replaced by some AAA team of probably Yankees. Or, or uh, some team with a strong farm system, anyway. Um, we got some topics here for you today that we're going to go through. We're also then going to just review the matches uh, quickly, you know, score lines, all that jazz. And then we're going to preview 
the weekend's games as thank God we get a break from these <laughs> midweek games. There is FA Cup matches that we'll look ahead to as well. Uh, but we'll just cover those next time as well. We're not going to do a midweek podcast. Uh, one thing we do want to tease here, Logan and I have at least three interviews for Stateside Soccer Show, previewing each MLS team. Uh, we released our Austin one already. Um, we had We Are Austin TV, a fan account by Hernan. Uh, he was a great guy. He was awesome to have on the show. Uh, so we're going to have some more guests coming up, trying to break down all of these teams before uh, the season starts on April 3rd, as it stands currently. So we got time. But it just means that, you know, Logan and I will be doing three to four of these interviews weekly <laughs> if we can. Um, let's start talking about uh, some Premier League football. Um Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not going to be talking about that. Fantastic player. Greatest he, of all time. What is Mitchell. he? The, is he the Bruno Fernandez of, of football? <laughs> he like has more Super, Bowl, more Super Bowl rings than any single team. Yeah. You know what, though? If he had won another one with the uh, Patriots, then they would have the most out of, of any franchise. But he jumped ship to a different team. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be talking first here about Newcastle. Yeah, we're going to go with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the Premier League. We got Newcastle United here. Uh, they get another much needed win over Southampton here in a frantic match that ended three, two, uh, back and forth match with a red card to Newcastle and also, uh, an injury, uh, at the end of the game that was made after their last sub. Wasn't that right, Matt? Oh, yeah. Um, well, they they finished with nine? Every single sub was an injury as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they lost two guys in the first half. Um, and then they lost. Then they had another sub for another injury. I'm trying to think of who they were. It was Mankio. Jeez, oh, I can't think of who the second one was. I know Maximin came off limping. And then Shar got, uh, or Shar? Scar, Shar. He got carted off. He actually, I don't, I'm not even sure what he did, but he did something to his leg. But they, yeah, they had nine guys. Um, it was crazy. But they somehow kept it, they kept the game to a point where they kept it three to two. So I was impressed at that. But Newcastle might be in a lot of trouble right now because that's four injuries in a game is ridiculous, especially with, with already dealing with injuries on every single team. So I'm not sure how they're going to – I don't really know how they're going to cope with that in the next upcoming weeks. Yeah, uh, Miguel Almiron, though, uh, played pretty well. Uh, they've kind of been playing him more in a role that suits him recently, uh, suits his style of play, and he's actually been contributing a lot more goals and assists in the last few games. So uh, it's a good move there. Uh, like I said, they really needed some of these points here because before – they were starting to get really close to that relegation zone. They're now 10 points above it. Um, part of it is that two out of the last three wins, while also the bottom team's not picking up a lot of points here. So it does keep them uh, in a good spot here where, like we said last week, I think that the bottom three is, is set in its ways. We'll talk about it a little bit more later, but I really think Newcastle will be okay. But, 
they got to make a path forward for next year, don't they, Logan? How about uh, an ownership change? Do you think that's still on the table for next season? You know, it's tough because of the pandemic. I think that, of course, anything is possible. I think with uh, some of the, you know, some of these people, they've got richer during this time. And I think, honestly, it it just depends on if team or if if owners and buyers really deem them worthy of, of pumping money into them. Um, I think if you're looking at a club realistically that could take on new owners, I think it is Newcastle. I think that, you know, the outgoing uh, ownership uh, is Ashley, um, that, you know, he's just, he's so brutal uh, and he's willing to sell the club. He's tried for like the last two or three years to just try to get rid of them off his plate. And I think that that finally comes to fruition either this year or next year, because I do think that, they're the most intriguing team to buy. I do think that they've got they've got a wonderful stadium. Um, I think Newcastle on Tyne is is a really good place in England. Um, they can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've heard, it's a it's a popular destination for people. Um, it's a place that a lot of people like to come and could come to. Uh, the fans are passionate, and having them back in the stadium will help. Plus, with just new ownership, I think you get a, a rejuvenation of that team that is clearly bottom of the league. Um, they're just not going to sneak into that relegation, I don't think, which is good for them because I think when they do come back, uh, they, they could have an opportunity to make some big moves if new ownership does come in. So, yeah, I think it's it's pretty realistic. I don't know about this year, but uh, I could definitely see it happening with the next couple of years because their ownership team right now is just trying to sell them. The, the for sale signs out in front of the stadium, I think. If I was somebody looking to invest in a team, it would be Newcastle. You know, they got the fans. They... Uh, are a historic team. Uh, they, you know, they were once one of the giants of of England. You know, uh, when we look at historic clubs, um, you know, they have more history than a team like Manchester City. Uh, sorry, Logan. Um, so it, it's uh, if if I was investing into a team, it would be them. If I had the money to be able to make them relevant, because really, this is a team that shouldn't be flirting with relegation all the time. Kind of the same way Leeds, uh, you know, was a huge club that got relegated back in like 03, 04, and was down until this year. They should have never been in that situation. They were, you know, once one of the giants of of English football as well. So uh, that's how I feel about Newcastle. Uh, So hopefully, hopefully uh, they don't get relegated. And like I said, I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, moving on here to Manchester City and Liverpool. Manchester City, uh, for my understanding here, is really on their way to the title now. I'm not one to usually call this stuff early, but they're five points up with a game in hand over United. And from there, the gap just gets bigger. Uh, when you look at fourth place to first place, it's 10 points. Third place, it's seven points. And he they have a game in hand of all those teams. And the pickup of Ruben Diaz has been huge for them. They are just dominating. They're they're having good uh you know, good defense, and now the offense is really starting to click where they are just rampaging through the Premier League. And we're more than halfway through the season. There's only twelve games left for City and eleven games left for other teams, right? No, no, no. 
Sorry, I was thinking no, 34. No, I think it's 38. Te- there's 38 games, right? So there's 16 left for City and 15 left for everybody else. Um, I, I just don't see there's enough there to overcome it because every team right now is faltering. Leicester, we're going to get to, but they just drew against Wolves. Liverpool lost to them. Chelsea is not really in any position to to come back. And Manchester United are on this hot cold streak where, you know, they've have two wins in their last five. They have two draws in their last five and they have a loss. So they haven't been very consistent either. When you look at City's last five, it's all wins. So what I ask of you here, uh, Logan, is Phil Foden was man of the match in many people's estimations. How big has he been for this City team now that he's starting to really break into the team? Huge. Um, and he's a little guy, so it's even better. Um, no, he he's fantastic. He's 20. He, he's finally gotten the chance. I think Pep, for the first part of the season, it was a lot of flip-flop. He was actually playing more games in cups and, and in matches that didn't really having the fortitude of some of these bigger clubs, like playing against some of these bigger clubs, he wasn't playing in those games. But as he's really starting to come into his own, his pace is fantastic. He's got great control of the ball. He he does look like when he's um, going through the different uh, spots in the defense, he he has the ball so tight on him. It reminds me of the way David Silva would play. He's got that very like methodical look to him when he's, pushing the ball forward and looking for anybody that he can get it, you know, going towards the goal. Um, I, I think, you know, when you look at him, five goals, uh, three assists, and that's in, you know, 17 matches that he's played in the premiere. And that's just something that, you know, I think city fans love to see because we haven't really had much success with that wing that he was, goes out on. He, he puts Sterling back on the right wing, which I think Sterling's much better on the right wing than he is the left wing. Um, so when Foden comes in off that left wing, we hadn't really had, I mean, Mara's played pretty well last year, but he's been really bad this year. Torres, he's a good young player, but he's just not quite ready for Premier League. I don't think he's kind of like Foden, but, uh, you know, two or three years behind because he hasn't been playing Premier. But, you know, you look at Foden, he's just, you know, he's the wonder kid. He's the kid that they knew coming through the academy. Always had been a big fan of City. Um, always had been real passionate uh, about the team. And he loves playing in the city, so it, it it's really cool to see because it's one of our homegrown, um, and it's you know not something that we're used to doing. Uh, we we hardly ever get academy players to play well. We just go buy other players from other teams, so we don't really focus on the academy. But I think he finally deserves all this credit. And his plays, yeah, his play yesterday was the best I've seen. And he needed one of those matches. He needed it against one of those big clubs. Uh, like Liverpool, uh, to give him confidence. And I do think that going forward, he's easily, I mean, if not one of the best players on the team, um, it's because De Bruyne is the best. And you forget he's not there. So it's like, that that's how good he has been with that stretch that De Bruyne has been out. That's, you know, Foden has been that good that it almost makes you forget that there's not somebody up in the middle creating uh, because Gundogan doesn't create as much as KDB but Foden has kind of picked up that slack as well. So, yeah, he's he's had a fantastic year. It's it's really fun to watch. This is probably the only time you're thankful for a coach like Guardiola. I mean, that sounds harsh, but uh, no, that's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, 
if it was another coach, I don't know if they're bringing in the youth. Uh, you know, he he's done that at Barcelona when he was there. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did it at Munich at times. I'm not. I'm trying to think of what young, but you know, they've, really they've had some players like, there. Barcelona already had all those guys when he took over, right? Like Busquets and and Xavi and Iniesta and Messi. Didn't he just like get them? That's what I've always read that he didn't. He he inherited them. He didn't like bring them through. Um, I mean, I guess I'd have to actually look here at it. Um, because he started coaching there in two thousand eight. Uh, when did Messi really break onto the scene? Um, I have no idea. I mean, he was at the World Cup in two thousand six, but I don't know if he was already playing for. Uh, for them at that point. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Um, but regardless, I, I do think that, you know, if it was like Roberto Mancini is still there or Pellegrini, I'm not sure if they're bringing in um, a player photo in the way that Pep has, uh, you know, kind of slowly and enough for him to actually, uh, you know, um, get accustomed to it at the age of, of 20. Let's see here. Uh, Matt, uh, Liverpool had a, a penalty in the match. Um, I didn't think it was a penalty. Some of the commentators thought it was. Some people online didn't think it was. It's kind of a toss-up there. But that leveled the match at 1-1 in the second half. But what really uh, happened after that, that, uh, that Liverpool gave up the next three goals in the game? I mean, it's I. It, there's really only one thing. I, I personally think the game was actually really even up until uh, Allison made two mistakes. It because in, in all reality, I felt like even Liverpool had more chances up until that second goal from City. I know City had the penalty, but in the first half, Liverpool had better chances. Besides that, um, but yeah, I don't. It's just weird. It, it's not something you would normally see. A lot of people are wondering if Allison wasn't exactly healthy from whatever illness he had and lost concentration. Um, there's also thoughts that he just doesn't trust having two midfielders at center back. But then I've also read that during the game, you can see Henderson yelling at the midfielders for not coming down to, to help play the ball through. So there's just... There's a lot of disconnect that's being results that's resulting from people playing out of position, um, and I think once those once the first goal went in, it, it was over. It it didn't matter what was happening after that. I just think between everything that's happened, the moment that second goal was scored, they just lost every bit of confidence they had, and it just kind of do, it was domino effect at that point. I don't think it mattered if. City scored two, three, four more goals. I think Liverpool honestly just gave up. And as bad as that sounds, I think with everything that's happened, it's it's a it's just something where they get to a, a point in a game where they go, it's this is what's happening again. And I mean, I personally, I don't think the Foden's goal happens if the game is one-one. I really don't see Robertson playing that far off a player if the game is on the line, but it's three one and it just felt like they were trying to get to the, the, the final whistle. And then Klopp even took him off after that, that goal. I just think 
there's a lot happening right now that I, I think at this point to get any type of confidence and trust back into the team, I think they need to, to stop playing midfielders at center back because it's, it's, it's at this point not working. I know that they have nothing but new guys and fifth, sixth string guys, but you might have to just take the risk and, and start people in positions that they're actually supposed to be playing. Cause this isn't FIFA where you can, you know, take a guy who's fast and probably put him on the wing or, or, you know, take a guy who's tall and put him at center back. Like it worked out well at the start, but players are not meant to players aren't meant to play out of positions in sports. And I think that everything that's happening is just a, a domino effect of confidence and trust. And I, pixie I think dust. now, yeah, yeah, some, <laughs> throwing some pixie dust in there. I just, I, I, I really think the best thing to do right now is he, Liverpool need to take a risk. I, I don't think the game. The game didn't matter, in my opinion, to the title race. Whoever won, I don't think was changing who was winning the title. City were winning the title either way. Um, it was just more so in terms of top four and what kind of battle that Liverpool were going to put themselves in. So losing made it a bigger battle. Um, and it's crazy because they're in fourth place, and if they play the first game of the of the week next uh, in the weekend, they play the seven thirty game against Leicester, and if they win it, they'll be in third place. Um, after next week, which is crazy to think. I just, I just think there's a lot of issues right now in terms of who, what players trust and what they are confident in what they can do. They just need to take some risks at this point in terms of who they start. They have 15 games. They need to, they need to take that risk to try to get something out of it and and stay in the top four. Because I hate saying it, but if if the year they don't get top four, that's the end of Liverpool being a, a, a European team that's, you know, in Champions League. They just don't have the money. They don't have the resources. If they don't finish top four, it's it's back to mid-table Liverpool again. I want to get your take on this, too. What exactly is uh, was Allison doing in those? To me, what it looked like is he's not even looking where he's hitting it, uh, which seems mind-boggling but like he hit it both ways the same way almost to the same so, position <laughs> so the first one i i don't i i didn't see much about the first one in terms of analysis but the one thing i i noticed about the first one was i believe it's fabinho i think he was the one on that side didn't play a great ball back and it felt like from that poor pass back, which I, I mean, I hate using injuries, but that doesn't happen with Van Dyke and Gomez and Matip. They, they're all on a different level of trust between, because they obviously play that position more. It wasn't a very good pass back and it felt like he rushed it and he just didn't get everything on the kick that he wanted. And it went right, obviously right to city. The second one, somebody actually did some analysis on it and they put a lot of the blame on Wijnaldum because his kick to Allison was he had two options and he basically kicked it toward Allison's poor his weak foot and toward the corner instead of kicking it toward the middle onto Allison's strong foot. So they're wondering if because he got that pass toward the wrong side and brought him over to the left, that caused his pass to go over to the left, which led to the the pass back to City. So I. I I, I mean, I hate saying to blame it on players out of position, but I, I don't personally believe 
distribution wise, it was to the level that you would expect from your players. And I think that's another issue with having guys who don't play that position. I mean, it happened early in the game too. Fabinho's penalty occurs because he's not a center back and he, he, he doesn't pass it the same way that the other Liverpool center backs have. His, his, that's not his, that's not his game. He's honestly, he's not a very good passer. Like that's just not something he's good at. And when you play from the back, your center backs better be really good passers. And that's something Liverpool have missed. Van Dyke used to, Van Dyke is one of the best passers forward and backwards on Liverpool's team. To lose him is, is at this point, you can see how big it affects them in situations that aren't just defense. It's attack wise. It's, it's just controlling the ball wise. And I, I really think it's just poor distribution from players causing issues to occur. And it just, it was, it, like I said, it's just a bad domino effect that they're going to have to try to do something different here to, to have a good last 15 games. All right. We also had Klopp uh, railing on some journalists uh, last night uh, after the game. Do you think, uh, what do you think his issue is uh, there? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, it, if you didn't see it, it was. Um, yeah, I journa- actually don't know what what happened. Um, a journalist asked him a question. Jeez, uh, I'm trying to remember what the question was, but he pretty much said that the journalist has to prepare for his job better, because um, uh, he only gets two questions, and that was the second question, and you know, it, it was about like. I guess going for the title or for fourth place, you know, in the top four. And, uh, you know, most people think it was a sensible question, but he pretty much just shrugged it off as saying and berated the, the journalist by saying he has to, uh, prepare better. So then a lot of people were saying, well, Klopp should have prepared better for the match. But, uh, do you think, you know, uh, you know, the media has really loved Klopp for most of his time at Liverpool because he's usually smiley, happy-go-lucky, but this year's been a little different. Uh, do you think that affects the team mentality at all? No, because looking at it, every manager complains. I even saw a tweet earlier in, uh, before the game where a Liverpool fan basically found four separate articles of Pep complaining about fixture lists and injuries when city were struggling last year, like it's, it's a thing that every manager does when things aren't going well and things are going incredibly poorly. And he, you know, it's his frustration and he, does he take it out the best way he could? Probably not. He could probably handle it better. Um, but I, he's frustrated and he's trying to figure out what to do here because he knows, I think in the back of his mind, he knows how important the situation is where if he doesn't, get to a certain level it's it's going to basically crumble and i think that's starting to wear on him and i sometimes he probably i mean i, I personally don't think i could do an interview after something like that because i again i felt like the game was pretty even up until that first mistake from allison um and so when you have a game where you you play well for 70 plus minutes and you know everything unravels because of a couple mistakes I, it's just frustration and he doesn't take it out probably the right way, but I personally think every every manager takes it out the same way when things don't go as well as they would expect, and it just happens. And at this point, I think I've just kind of gotten numb to it because I've 
I, I don't think he was is the, the happy-go-lucky favorite of press to begin with because he has always been very brutal. He's been always been brutally honest with them when things don't go well. Um, but I think now this year with everything that's happened, you don't see the happy interviews as often. So then the, the poor interviews, the angry interviews just have a bigger high, like just, they're just highlighted more. I can see that. So uh, a team that is now one point behind Liverpool, as we segue over to Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, who now has 10 points out of 12. Uh, Pulisic was not on the side, so uh, he had a family emergency or some sort of family issue is what uh, Tuchel said. So he said family comes first. We don't know what that issue is, so hopefully, Christian, if you're hearing this, which you're not because nobody listens, uh, you know, no professionals listen to this uh, that we know. (laughs) But uh, I hope everything's okay. You're my favorite soccer player. Hope it's all good. Um, What I do want to say to people, though, is everybody on Twitter, please calm down. And I'm aiming this more towards the U.S. men's fans. Um, was it a little concerning when I saw Pulisic not in the squad? Yes. I thought either injury or what? I, I don't think it's anything against he, that he's not in Tuchel's plans. Him and Tuchel get along great, as we've seen. Um, but I had a lot of people say because of his like three straight you know, sub-appearances and then this, they were actually asking for Frank back because... Uh, you know, they thought that'd be better for Pulisic. I think Tuchel's system is going to work better for Pulisic, but I think he did need a break at times, too. He had started, like, something like eight out of nine games under Frank at some point, right before Tuchel took over. So, um, you know, giving his legs a little rest, especially when he has injury history, it's not a bad thing. And if this is a family issue, then, you know, obviously that's more important. Uh, Chelsea's now up to fifth place over West Ham and only one point back at Liverpool, as I said. So uh, they are coming on up. I think the most realistic position for them to finish is between third and fourth if they're going to get in the top four. I could see them slipping back down a little later as well. But hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully this is it. They they beat Sheffield with a very unorthodox team. Uh, Werner had an assist and also drew a penalty. Uh, Logan, what's your thoughts on Thomas Tuchel's uh, Chelsea here? Uh, they're only, like I said, one point back behind Liverpool. They're up to fifth place. Uh, you know, which, uh, are you thinking that they can nab a top four spot here? Yeah, I think they can. I think they will. It, it all really, I think, depends on the way that Liverpool bounces back and the way that Leicester continue to play. If, if Leicester continues to play that up and down and up and down and up and down, I do think Chelsea will pass them. That being said, I, I do think that Liverpool right now out of the top four look to be the one struggling the most, trying to find some kind of identity. Um, Leicester seems to play big teams pretty well, so I think that that's, you know, they're, they're not a team that's searching for identity. I, I think Liverpool very much more are focused on trying to find, you know, what works, you um, and I don't know, Matt could probably speak more to that about the the center backs, and I don't I don't know why they I guess probably because they just didn't have the they weren't up to scheme with with what Klopp was trying to do against City I guess, um, which is why they didn't play. But you know I think it's kind of worrisome that that they signed those two center backs and they didn't even sniff the field. Um, 
I don't know if they're quarantined or if they're, you know, just not what he wanted right away. Um, I wish but they I do, were quarantined. That would be a better excuse. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get the whole I, I didn't get that. So that kind of was worrisome. I do think Chelsea is is going the opposite direction of some of these teams. I think West Ham's starting to go back down the opposite direction. I think Liverpool are headed the wrong way. I, I definitely think Leicester's got the ability to drop some here and there just because of the way they play inconsistently. Um, and you never know about United. I don't ever, you know, it, it's weird to say that, like a team that's playing that well. I think because United have been so shaky um, here and there, they've had different weird spots during their years, uh, over the last couple of years at least, where they've had they've hit some kind of weird spot and, and kind of bounced down. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very realistic that Chelsea, especially, and like you said, Jordan, with Werner, he actually looked a little better, um, which is a huge, huge thing for them. If he can start to somewhat figure something out, here at the end of this, you know, this last crunch, I think that they've got a good chance to finish top four. Definitely. I, I really like the way Tuchel's got them playing. So let's use that segue here. You talked about, you don't know about Manchester United. I have this as probably the game of the week, uh, weekend anyway, Manchester United versus Everton started out with a two nil United half, uh, lead at the half Bruno with a rocket of a goal there. Uh, two quick goals after the half for Everton, then United gained the lead again through McTominay, and then it finishes 3-3 with the very last gasp uh, stoppage time. Hey, that's the name of the show. Goal uh, from uh, Calvert-Lewin. Um, what exactly happened here, Matt? Was uh, Who did you think was the better side? Did Everton get lucky getting uh, a point at all? Oof, that's a good question. Um, God, I want to. Can I answer both ways? <laughs> sure, yes. go for it. Yes, you can make a pitch for it. Yeah, go for it. Both of those teams, you can. <laughs> well, no, because I, I think, I think both teams played where. I mean, a draw was probably the best. Was probably the best result, but at the same time, if you score three goals and you can't win. Don't think you really deserve a point anyway, because that's just bad. Like if you score three goals and you don't get three points, I, I know people will say I was just putting a ball in a net, but like these are professionals. If you score three goals and you don't win a match, you probably should have lost that match. And that's how both teams played. Like they had their stretches. Like the beginning of the game was very dull, and then you know United get their one goal. They get their first goal from Cavani. It was a nice cross. It was a good play. Um, I'm going to say, really, like, you know, Fernandez's goal was great. However, I, I think Everton's goalkeeper somehow is worse than Pickford because I, I fully thought he probably could have saved both Fernandez's goal, and he definitely should have saved the third goal. He literally slipped. Um, but then, you know, Everton come out in the second half, and they, like, it almost looked like United stopped playing because Everton had complete control of the game for 10, 15 minutes score the two goals and then it kind of goes back to even and then you know United get that last goal and it just kind of felt like that's how the game was going to end but I really don't think either team played both teams showed why they aren't title contenders like I think that game really proved to United too like they're not title contenders they're top four contenders their defense is not very good Maguire I saw the when I finally got to see that goal uh, you know, he played the he played everybody on side. You know, you look at 
it, it's such a small little thing, but to have your official back line on a play like that and have your captain $80 million signing literally be the reason everybody plays onside. And then you watch Liverpool somehow with their makeshift defense, hold the line. Like I, that's such a small little thing, but like that is at least a big deal in terms of set pieces and him not doing it. I, I, they don't have a defense good enough to hold teams. And I don't fully think Everton's a team that is really great at scoring. So giving up three to them is bad. I, it was just, it was a great game, but I think it was two teams that are high up on the table, but they just, it was like neither of them really deserved anything. I really, they got lucky that they played each other because they shouldn't have gotten any points. That's a draw where zero points should have been awarded. How about you, Logan? Any thoughts on uh, this match here? Um, any surprises or anything that stuck out to you? Um, yeah, it did surprise me how quickly United crumbled right out of the half, especially. Like, that's really weird. I mean, to go from 2-0 and absolutely dominating a game to basically just getting run through for the first 15 minutes of the second half and then to completely dominate again, it was a, it's such an odd game. So, yeah, it was shocking to me, to be honest, that it ended that close, that it you know United should have just completely throttled them. Um, but I do think that, you know, a lot of it had to do with Richarlson. I don't know. You know, I think United still continues to struggle sometimes defensively, which is, I think, what makes them the biggest concern as far as uh, title contenders. They, they have these weird games where they just go into this, like, lackluster, don't defend very well, and, and guys like Richarlson just tear them to shreds. Um, and I think that's what you saw here. Their attack's fine. I do think their attack is is worthy of... of becoming competitive and being maybe a title chaser. But I do think that the defense sometimes is lacking through the midfield and towards that center back position. Cause I do think there are times where they just kind of look a step slow or two. And that's pretty big with some of the talent that the premier league has. Uh, speaking of the teams at the bottom, speaking of the teams at the bottom here, uh, last topic here before we just review some of the quick scores, Fulham, Got uh, one point from West Ham, who's near the top of the table, so pretty good business from Fulham there. Uh, West Brom lost to Spurs, and Sheffield lost to Chelsea. So now we're at a... uh, The only team that gained any sort of points at that was Fulham with one, and I think that just as we said last week here, I I think that is going to sum up that and kind of seal the deal here for uh the bottom teams burnley and fulham are still eight points apart from each other so fulham keeps pace with that as burnley drew with palace but uh you know west brom is now 11 points back sheffield is now 12 points back from burnley and escaping the relegation zone so at this point uh Seems pretty doom and gloom for the teams at the bottom. Uh, any thoughts on this for either of you, or are we uh, good to move on? No, I think these three are the ones that go down. I, just, I think there's just too much to go. They'd have to get a lot right, and a lot of those teams above them would have to go completely south. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on here. Uh, so let's just quickly go over the scores for the other games. Aston Villa 1, Arsenal nil. 
Uh, I don't know if it's shocking or not. Aston Villa does get out of their funk a bit, but Arsenal is Arsenal. Um, Newcastle 3, Southampton 2. That was at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Then we had Burnley and Brighton at 10 o'clock as well, and we had Fulham West Ham at 12.30, and then we had that Manchester United-Everton 3 p.m. match. Uh, Logan predicted 1-1. Matt predicted 0-0. I predicted 2-1 to United. Uh, so the closest was, I guess, Logan, cause he had a draw with points, uh, with, with, with goals. Um, but you and Matt were both right with, uh, having a draw Sunday. We had Tottenham two West Brom nil. We had Wolves Leicester nil nil. Then we had the Manchester city four Liverpool one. I was so close. I was the closest one here. I said city three, one and Foden had to ruin that for me near the end of the game. City, uh, Logan said City 2-0, two, two and Matt said 1-1 one, one. draw. Then we had Sheffield 1, Chelsea 2, and then this uh, afternoon we had Leeds 2, Crystal Palace 0, and nobody got that one right. Matt was close. He said 2-0, but he gave it to uh, Pooh Bear uh, due to his uh, run-in with seeing Pooh Bear that day. Uh, Leeds... Uh, Logan had Leeds 3-1. I had Leeds 4-2. Upcoming matches here. On uh, Saturday, February 13th, we have Leicester City versus Liverpool at 7.30. We have Crystal Palace Burnley at 10 o'clock. We have Manchester City versus Tottenham at 12.30. And Brighton versus Aston Villa at 3 p.m. Logan, I'm going to ask you, how are you feeling about Manchester City Tottenham? And give me a prediction for this. Well, this didn't go very well last time we played them. Um, you know, I think, well, obviously, two of the best defensive Premier League clubs, although Regulon has been out, so I don't know if he's returning. I don't keep enough with enough Tottenham news um, just because I can't stand Jose. I, I do think, you know, playing at the Etihad, um, I do think that they've got a slight advantage again, and they've just been playing so well. I think I counted where it was 14 straight wins in all competitions. Um it's been a long time, and I think the last loss actually was against Tottenham. So I'm going to say that City gets some redemption here, um, and I'm going to say Foden has another scorcher of a game. I, I think he gets one here, too. Um, I'm going to say City win 2 nil. Matt, who do you have here? Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to say City win as well. I think it, it I don't want to say the exact same thing, 2 nil, but... That really feels like come to the dark side. <laughs> I mean, it just seems it, it. I'll say one nil, just so I don't have the exact same score as Logan. I I don't know if Foden will have a scorcher though. I also I wasn't super impressed with him until it was like two three one. Um, but I I think I just I don't see City losing again. I would be shocked. I I don't know who's gonna actually have the ability to beat them. Um, I. I just can't see it. I think City, and to be fair, at this point, I kind of want City to beat teams like Tottenham. Being a Liverpool fan, like I want the teams <laughs> behind Liverpool to to get some losses. So I, I, in a personal sense, would like City to win as well. Um, but I think they'll win one nil. All right, I have Spurs five two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have City three one. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go three one again because I was very close with the Liverpool one. So hopefully, get that right. Uh, 3 p.m. is Brighton versus Aston Villa. Sunday, February 14th, Southampton versus Wolves at 7 a.m. West Brom and Manchester United at 9 a.m. 
Arsenal versus Leeds at 11.30, and Everton-Fulham at 2 p.m. Logan, give me your prediction for Southampton Wolves, two teams that are kind of been in a, a bit of a funk. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, I'm going to say Southampton look abysmal, and I'm not sure they're getting half their team back. So um, they need a lot more help than that. I actually think Wolves play have played a little bit better uh, lately, and I do think that that they continue to play well. I'm going to say it goes, I'm going to say 2-1 Wolves. Matt, who do you have in this matchup here? Darn it. Stop asking Logan first. (laughs) You ask Matt next time. (laughs) Okay. I will for the next one here. Um, Yeah, because everything, that's literally everything he said was pretty much what I was thinking. Um, So to make sure I don't do the exact same score again, I'm going to say 2-0 to Wolves. Um, Even that sounds, no, 1-0, 1-0. I don't see Wolves scoring two. Neither team is really up to score to score a ton, but Southampton have too many injuries. Um, Wolves 1-0. I'm going to go Southampton 2-1 with a shock here. Um, Monday, February 15th, we have West Ham versus Sheffield at 1 p.m. and then Chelsea versus Newcastle at 3 p.m. So, Matt, I ask you, who do you have in Chelsea versus Newcastle? I wonder if I'm going to guess the exact same thing Logan would have had. Um... And that, with Newcastle's injuries, I'm going to say Chelsea 3 now. They're on a, on a run, and honestly, Newcastle have so many injuries right now, and I felt like they put so much effort into their game against Southampton that they're going to be beat, and Chelsea's going to be able to run rampant over them. I have Chelsea 2-0. Logan, what, what say you? Well, damn you, Jordan. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go 2-0, I guess. Uh, I was going to go 4-0, but that just sounds absurd. Um, <laughs> it does go with the way Chelsea's playing. They don't score that much. <laughs> right. Uh, they can't even count that high. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to go with 2-0 two, two Chelsea win. Um, and like Matt said, Newcastle, with all those injuries, it was it was almost like watching Liverpool's injuries, but like all in one game. All right. In the FA Cup. Tomorrow, Tuesday, February 9th, we have Burnley versus Bournemouth at 12.30. Manchester United versus West Ham United at 2.30. Swansea versus Manchester City on Wednesday at 12.30. Leicester versus Brighton at 2.30. Sheffield United versus Bristol at 2.30. Everton versus Tottenham at 3.15. And on Thursday, February 11th, we have Wolves versus Southampton at 12.30. And Barnsley with uh, Daryl DK uh, up against Chelsea at 3 p.m. Uh, so we could see, oh, maybe we see a Pulisic versus uh, DK matchup there on the 11th. That would be a lot of fun. Maybe a Zach Steffen versus Jordan Morris. or Oh, Paul yes, that would, be, that would be, be really great. I think Stefan gets a start here, too. I really do. I would hope so. He needs to get some more playing time, um, for sure. Liverpool needs a new goalie because their goalie turned into City's best midfielder. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's go ahead. We're, we're about wrapped up here. If you are interested in a giveaway, Logan, tell them what we are giving away over on Stateside Soccer Show. 
We're giving away a host. Um, Jordan is actually going to come to your house. No, wait. No, that's the wrong. That's the I'll wrong. Sign service. anything um, you want. <laughs> no, we're actually giving away our Portland Timbers kit. The, the giveaway ends at Friday at 11:59 p.m. Eastern time. So anybody that wants the Portland Timbers kit, uh, I think it's a couple years old. Um, you can go in and, and like it, share it. Uh, now follow us on Instagram, like it, and, and tag people, and you can get. A number of entries. Also, if you want to burn the kit, that's another way to do it because I see at least <laughs> two or three people on like here that, yeah. for some reason. Like, why you want to burn my kit? But you, you go ahead. You go nuts. Uh, you can follow and enter on Stateside Show on Twitter, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show is where you can get all the Facebook details that has nothing to do with entering for the giveaway. Uh, on uh, the um, stoppage time show. You can follow us on Twitter at stoppage show, facebook.com slash stoppage time soccer show, email stoppage time show at gmail.com or Instagram us at stoppage time soccer show. Um, another thing, if you're a fan of the Marvel cinematic universe, I do recaps with my friend Casey McGeorge. We go over, WandaVision, and we've done the first four episodes of that. For episode five, we recorded one hell of an episode that ended up having technical difficulties. So Logan jumped on very last minute, right before I was about to record it myself here. And uh, he uh, he stepped up. So if you want to hear us two talk about WandaVision, you can do so. Uh, we're going to have Matt on for Falcon and the Winter Soldier when that starts in March. So uh, hopefully... Uh, if anybody's interested in that, you can make your way over there as well. That is called To the Infinity Saga and Beyond, and you can find that by searching that on uh, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever. Or you can follow us on Twitter at T-O Infinity Saga. That about Just wraps a, up here. A warning uh, yeah. for anyone who listens. I have a, I'm have a huge Sebastian Stan fan, so there's going to be a lot of fangirling over Sebastian Stan. We yeah, I was going to say, Matt drooled, I think, during the game. Sounds good with me. Uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll I'll make sure I remember that as well. So I'll uh, pitch you all of the Sebastian Stan questions when we are uh, recording. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can follow us at all those places I just mentioned. Have a great rest of your week. We will be back next Monday for breaking down those FA Cup matches and the weekend matches, so we will see you then. Kane has stolen him to death! That's what he's there for! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective, we'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.